You are now about to witness the strength of Raider Nation. Hello, Raider Nation. And anyone else listening, all are welcome. This is the day after the Chiefs-Raiders game. A game dominated by the Chiefs. Executed well on both sides of the ball. I want to talk Raiders beatdown with you. So I want to talk about that disappointing effort. And I'm going to get into my feelings a little bit. I'm going to get into my feelings. I'm going to have my... You know, my, my scented candles, mood candles, and, uh, you know, nail polish, whatever. Whatever it is that gets you into your feelings for uh, men these days. So, I want to get into the game, the bad and then the good. Uh, the good news, bad news situation, I'll take the bad news first, then we'll get into the good. And then discuss the game plan and adjustments and observations and news on the rest of the league in general so I can't wait to get started on that uh, a lot of thoughts on this team is it a lovely morning? no no it's not a lovely morning not at all Mahomes and uh, Andy Reid are out there toying with the defense and Derek Carr turns into a huge disappointment and falls flat on his face in this all-important game so let's get to the guy I've been praising um, all preseason about how much he's going to improve and how great he's going to be and how much of a franchise quarterback, a great franchise quarterback he's going to be. Like I said, I felt Derek Carr had the second year in the system, the offensive line protection, the talent around him. Uh, no excuses. Make it fucking happen. This is bullshit and uh, it's disappointing. And expectations are much higher than this. Be better. You need to be better. Still believe in Derek Carr, but this, what what you showed on the field, what happened in week two against the Chiefs, is unacceptable. I still believe Carr has all the tools and brain to be a next-level franchise quarterback. But when you have games like this, this is what fuels the doubt. This is what people see as a skittish car under pressure who can't take his team to the next level. Week one was a step forward, seeing the positives that I needed to see from this guy. Week two is a step back. And the only positive can be taken out of this is if you learn from this mistake and use it in the future to propel you, propel this team back to the top. We need a franchise quarterback. I still believe in Derek Carr as the future of this, you know, the franchise quarterback of this team and a good one. And throwing an interception at the fucking goal line is not progress. That is the same shit I've been seeing for the past two years. I've already seen from Derek Carr too much in my life interceptions at the goal line. The rest of my life, I better not see a damn interception at the goal line from Derek Carr. That is inexcusable and disgusting. What better fucking execution? I don't think it's too much to ask. When you're at the goal line, don't throw an interception at the goal line. Don't. Just don't. And I'm sure Derek Carr is telling himself the same thing. And yeah, there were little injuries throughout the game. But you have to work with this offense and what you have. 
We need a run game. We have a run game, and that needed to be utilized more often. We have pass catchers that can, you know, they're not going to burn down the field, but they can get open, and they know how to run the routes correctly. Looking at both these teams, it's very obvious that the Chiefs and Raiders, Raiders do not have nearly the speed skill that the Chiefs have. So we can't play that game. We needed to run the ball physically and drain some clock and make smart, efficient passes out of a good game plan. And that was your job, Derek Carr, and I expected you to do it excellently and efficiently. And we all got the opposite of that. And now all the doubts come creeping back in. But like I said, it's week two. Um, progress, you need to see steady progress and development throughout the year of these situations, you know, coming through in these situations, stepping up, being that great quarterback that makes the play when we need it. What better fucking execution? Then we look at the other side, Patrick Mahomes. And that kid is just impressive. And it's just depressing that that guy's a chief. There's no doubting that this kid is a great quarterback. There's no doubt about that. His ability to throw people open 30, 40 yards downfield, hitting them in stride, is uh, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's stupid. That's how ridiculous it is. It's just stupid. I mean the vision to throw people open that far down the field. He's letting the ball go, you know, five or six strides before the guy's coming open, seeing it that far ahead. It's pretty impressive. And when you got Derek Carr on the other side throwing interceptions at the goal line um, and not having a good game, that makes Mahomes, what Mahomes did even more impressive. But it ain't all about just Mahomes. Yeah, he is supremely talented. But you combine Mahomes with Andy Reid's coaching, with Andy Reid's system, and all the skill players he has to maximize that system, well, you're going to have Mahomes maximum potential on display every single week his best and I believe in the Raiders system and the coaches but we still need the personnel but as far as systems go um, if you if you would put Derek Carr in Andy Reid's system if Derek Carr was on the Chiefs he would do pretty good now is he going to perform like Patrick Mahomes I don't think so but he's going to do pretty good in that system Patrick Mahomes is one of those supremely talented quarterbacks. Uh, he also stands in the pocket tall, lets it go, even as he's getting hit, as a guy catches it fucking 70 yards downfield for a touchdown. But Derek Carr, he does have arm talent, but he's got to be cerebral. He's got to step his game up mentally. Tom Brady isn't the most arm, you know, physically gifted quarterback, but he gets the job done with his smarts. And that's what Carr needs to do and do it this year. Because at the end of this year, Gruden's going to look Carr in the eye and see if he's got it. And if he doesn't have it, the Raiders will move on. But, uh, like I said, I believe in the guy, and I don't think it's going to come to that. Two games, people. Improvement will be there. We just have to have patience. It's been a long time. Just a little more patience. He waited this long. Raiders D start out good for the first quarter. Only the game would end it in the first quarter, right?
the second quarter started and although the Raiders started out physical, the Chiefs made their adjustments and in the second quarter it was bombs over Berlin World War II. And Mahomes was just dropping them in beautifully, perfect. In fact, here's a little clip of the game just to show you how impressive Mahomes was. Mahomes got fast. He's got all kinds of time. Here comes the throw. He launches it into the atmosphere. Oh my God, ladies and gentlemen, circling the moon. Coming back down. Travis Kelsey's got it for 700 yards. What's this? He's dropping dimes everywhere, folks. One touchdown. Dropping them like bombs. One touchdown. Two touchdown. Three touchdown. Four. It's pandemonium. I'm so excited. I'll be back after rubbing out. Impressive stuff, right? Look, it might as well have been that way all game. Uh, that's what it felt like. Jeez. The team, the announcers, slurping them up. A couple of those TD catches, there was a little luck involved. There's some juggling going on. And I guarantee you, if that was a Raiders receiver, the ball's fumbling out of bounds. But sometimes you need a little luck when most of the work is there, when the ball is dropped in perfectly and your guy's juggling around and then he eventually catches it, okay, whatever. It's everything just goes great for you guys, don't it? Chiefs just live a charmed life. Good old Chiefs. Everything just works out for them. And the coach, Andy Reid. I have nothing but respect for that coach. He's one of the greatest coaches. Um, only thing I don't like about him is he coaches the Chiefs. Andy Reid, who looks exactly like Mike Holmgren, who looks exactly like the guy who does those diabetes commercials. I'd like to talk to you about diabetes. And I swear he's been rocking that mustache since he was 10 years old. You guys remember that video of uh, Andy Reid as a kid? You know, at the punt, pass, and kick competition, I guess? Like 50 years ago, whenever it was. Andy Reid sitting out there as a 13-year-old kid or whatever, 12, 11. All the other kids are small. They're like five, six years old. Andy Reid is more than double their size. And I swear to you, even had the helmet on, I swear I could still see that mustache, that 12, 11-year-old kid. He looked pretty much the same as he does now. But I look back at that video and I just think to myself, man, that's, that's the love of the game right there. 11, 12 years old. You just wanna, you just wanna be a part of it, you know. And look what he's turned into—that passion and love. So I admire that. I respect that. Andy Reid never saw the football field in the NFL, but look at the tremendous—he is the most, one of the most respected coaches out there. And and his players love playing for him. So, uh, go to hell, Chiefs, basically. And Reid made some, you know. He's got his offense dialed in. He knows he's a defense away from contending for a Super Bowl, which, I'm sorry, Andy Reid, I know you've never won a Super Bowl, but I don't ever want you to win a Super Bowl. So let's keep that streak going. Zero Super Bowls for Andy Reid. But what Andy Reid has done is stripped down the old defensive model and replaced it on the fly. You can with talent you have. So, but it is... You know, it's a pretty brilliant move because what you have before was a 3-4 with Bob Sutton as your defensive coordinator and, you know, Justin Houston and D Ford as your outside edge rushers. It wasn't that long ago Tom Ali was part of that. The system personnel wasn't working anymore. Bob Sutton as a defensive coordinator wasn't working anymore. 
So when so Andy Reid set out to find a new defensive coordinator, and when I think he had opportunity to hire Steve Spagnolo, who's one of the best defensive, most respected defensive coordinators in the league, he jumped on it. But it's not just as simple as a switch in defensive coordinators. Spagnolo ran a 4-3, so that means a completely different change of personnel. Instead of outside linebackers rushing, you now need to get your defensive ends as your main rushers. So the Chiefs and Andy Reid were still able to parlay that, get rid of their old edge rushers from a 3-4 system, and get two defensive ends that are pretty damn good pass rushers. And on the fly, change the system from a 3-4 to a 4-3 with a better coordinator, a more disciplined defense. This is obviously not the Chiefs' defense from last year. Uh, I knew that going in, knew they'd be better on paper. Right now, the Chiefs are at a serviceable defense that can that can cause you some problems. You're not going to be able to just run roughshod through them. They will adjust, and they'll come up with a game plan to stop you. They, they at least have that ability this year. And they adjusted on Derek Carr, came up with a game plan to stop him. My problem is you need to make adjustments off of that car. You can't be stopped. You can't let yourself be stopped. And that's what's happening. Inexcusable. Raiders have two great offensive line. The, the Chiefs, there's not a team in this league that's going to be, when this offensive line is at full strength, strength. There's not a team in this league that's going to be able to consistently put pressure on Derek Carr. So you should have, on most occasions, plenty of time in the pocket to make the reads and make the pass you need to make. And defensively on the Raiders' side, the overload, the just how the Chiefs run in offense. When the game first started, the Raiders' defense played well in that first quarter. They were manning up the Chiefs and saying, we're going we're gonna to play straight up, not afraid. And it worked well for a quarter. And then the second quarter came around. The Chiefs made the adjustments, and the Raiders had nothing to adjust against that. Because the bottom line comes, you can make an adjustment. The other team's great coaching makes their adjustments, and they have more talent. They're eventually going to catch you. That's also the other part of this. The team's making adjustments. You need to be able to make the adjustment, counter-adjustment to that, and I'm not seeing that. But in pass coverage, getting burned like that um, is not going to help. They don't need your help blowing coverages. And also the team speed has improved on the Raiders, but it seems they still couldn't keep up with those Chiefs receivers. Running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, it didn't matter who it was. So that was, you know, hugely disappointing as well. And looking at these two teams after this game, Carr can't trade blows with Patrick Mahomes and just toss it out there like Mahomes does. We obviously, the Raiders, do not have the personnel with the speed needed to compete with this team. And that's without gifting them an interception at the goal line. Man, I just can't get over that. Rough game yesterday. <clears throat> so that's the bad. And I'm sure we can find more bad, but that's all the main bad. Let's get to a little bit of good stuff that happened yesterday. Uh, I got nothing. Nothing. I'm playing, of course. Um, but after a loss, I mean, who wants to look? There is no good. And after... In the past, you know, you know, as a Raider fan, after a loss, 
I need two or three days to shake off the hangover. I don't watch any news. I have a little mini depression, you know. Um, but I can no longer do that. I've got to jump in immediately into the septic tank of bad shit, literally, and also try to find um, a silver lining, some some good in all of that going forward. Okay, so what is it good? Let's talk about that. Um, we can look at Josh Jacobs continuing to show that talent. A nice big run. He should have had over 100 yards and a touchdown or two. But Josh Jacobs continues to show some great things. I want to see more him out of the backfield. I want to see him more utilized in the passing game. But he still runs great. He's fast, quick, cuts, and he's a tough runner, as we've said a thousand times. Uh, at the end of that big run of his, instead of going out of bounds, he turned it back in and rammed into the defender. Gotta love that. That kind of mean streak, you know what I'm saying? Also, Darren Waller continues to be productive. You know, really, for you fantasy owners out there, you'll be very happy with Darren Waller's production. And that's the thing with both of these guys, is they will continue, as they get time, they will continue to improve and get better and better and better. So there's your one positive from the guys in the game, or young talent in the game. Cleland Farrell looked very good, too. All of our young guys had some nice, had some nice moments. And what about Benson Mayoa? Mayoa. 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 Benson Mayoa. We'll just call him Ben. Benny. Oh, Ben. Exceeding expectations. Really surprised and proud of that guy. At least for the first two games. Um, he's exceeded expectations by miles. We signed Benson Mayoa. When we signed Ben, old Benny, um, he was supposed to be depth. It was expected that he'd be depth and provide some pass rush. Three and a half sacks in your first two games is definitely exceeding all those expectations. And Mayoya has come a long way. I mean, he was on the Raiders practice squad three years ago. So he's really come a long way. And did continue this to expect this to continue? Probably not. Probably not. Three and a half sacks in two games. The guy I think the most in his career he's had in a year is six. So, but I do expect Mayoya to have a breakout year, for sure. So what Mayoya is bringing to the table is a nice, pleasant surprise. And the D, you know, it's very discouraging to get burned on long pass plays like that. But that D never stopped, and that says a lot. You know, it says a lot going forward. Uh, let's talk about the run defense. I mentioned this before. That run defense needs to be top-notch. I know we're going to have some problems on the back end, the secondary. Uh, now I really know it after watching the game against the Chiefs. But the run defense, I believe, now, with personnel we have now, no excuse. It can't be one of the top run defenses in the league. Our run defense has been very good. Now we held the Chiefs to whatever it was, 30 yards. The thing about that is the Chiefs didn't need to run the ball after they threw 17 touchdowns in the second quarter. Um, they just sat on it, and they just chilled for the rest of the game. You know, Mahomes was ordering fucking Mai Tais, and they were just partying over there for the rest, you know, the whole second half. So I don't want to hear the Raiders shut out the Chiefs for three of the four quarters. Yeah, great. But when you allow 28 in one quarter, it doesn't really mean anything when you lose 28 to 10. Give me a break. 
So what I'm saying is I know the Chiefs didn't need to run. And that 32 could be a little misleading in that way. But make no mistake, the Chiefs tried to run. They couldn't run. And I believe this run defense is really, really good. There's a little misleading on the number, but hey, I, I, I expect if the Chiefs tried to run, they'd be at around 60, 70 yards, which is excellent. This run D is showing me some things that I think they have the potential to be great. We'll see going forward. But uh, then again, you can have the greatest run defense in the world. It won't matter if your pass defense is giving up 450 yards and four touchdowns. But just remember, you got a lot of youngsters on this team. Good talent. And it's going to take time for them to develop. They will grow right before our eyes. Just need a little bit of patience. And after watching these two teams, and it's obvious where the Raiders, where do the Raiders stand? You know, Chiefs, obviously top two or three team. They're one of the best teams in the league. Last week, played the Broncos, which I feel probably be bottom five, bottom seven team in the league. And where do the Raiders stand after those two games? Right where we they're expected to be. Somewhere in the middle, maybe a little bit below. Maybe a little bit above average. We got to think of this realistically and logically. Anyone who went into that game thinking that the Raiders were going to beat the Chiefs, you know, is just not living in any type of reality. Keeping it close, I expected that. Uh, 28 to 10, I did not expect that. Keeping it close, yes. Beating this team, not quite there yet. After an incredible roster turnover that made the Raiders, that transformed the Raiders from one of the oldest teams to one of the youngest, is going to be growing pains. And we need Mayock and Gruden another year or two. This team's on its way in the right direction. Just think about all the changes happened in just this past year, off, just this past offseason. How much change has happened, how much better this team has gotten. Another offseason like that, they're in contention. One more after that, a solid foundation, and these guys will be contending for a long time. The core needs to be built, and we are restarting the building of the core of this team again after Reggie McKenzie's attempt to rebuild the roster. Now, McKenzie did do some great things. When he inherited his roster, when he inherited his team, uh, salary cap issues, you know, the most outrageous salary cap issues I've ever seen. It took him two years to get all that fixed, getting rid of high-priced free agents and all that, eating dead money, $50 million a year, signing guys like Jason Hunter or Jeffrey Hunter, who knows, these guys below practice squad level. You know, uh, Shantae Spencer. So that was a major thing that Reggie McKenzie did for the roster. He got it. Salary cap situation under control, contracts. And now, going forward, the salary cap's in great shape. Very manageable contracts and uh, flexibility. So it looks good. And McKenzie also did well finding uh, undrafted free agent gems. Where McKenzie failed, and this is kind of where you don't want to fail, if you're a general manager, you kind of have to be good at this, the draft. McKenzie failed miserably at the draft, and that's hard to do when you hit, when you hit home runs on four of those picks. I talk about we need to build a core of this team, and it's, it's got to be a solid, good, young core. That was McKenzie's job. And when you get franchise cornerstone pieces like Khalil Mack and Derek Carr and a great guard like Gabe Jackson, 
That's the highlight of his of of all his draft picks. And McKenzie did have a first good year. You know, his first couple years were good when you're able to bring in Carr, Mari Cooper, Khalil Mack, Gabe Jackson, Latavius Murray. And there's guys with talent there. Danico Autry, who's now playing for the Colts. Shelby Harris, who's a Bronco. The talent he did have, he let those guys go. And McKenzie did believe in building the lines. And he invested mostly offensive line through free agency tried to build the defensive line through the draft which is fine but not when you're wasting second third and fourth round picks on straight garbage team people we can't even add they're going to be cut that no other team will want this is supposed to be the core you're building with second third and fourth fifth round picks guys that won't even make it other rosters let's go over the list reggie mckenzie's first ever first round pick dj hayden areas that you second round picks an area where you build the foundation of your core hit it nice with Derek Carr that's your top second round pick let's take a look at the rest Menelik Watson tackle Mario Edwards Jr. defensive end Jihad War defensive lineman Obi Melifonwu, Melifonwu, whatever his name is. Safety. Guys, you gotta calm it down. We haven't made it to the third round picks yet. Pace yourselves, you won't make it to the end of this list. Okay, on to the third round picks. C.O. Moore. Tony Bergstrom. Clive Walford. Shalik Calhoun. Eddie Vander does. Eddie Vander doesn't do shit because he doesn't have a job. Now let's look at the fourth round. Keith McGill. John Feliciano. Tyler Wilson. Who they selected in the fourth round. Who they cut in training camp of that year. You select a guy in the fourth round and you cut him. He doesn't even make it through training camp. Okay, continuing on. Connor Cook, another quarterback selected in the fourth round. That's 21 selections in five years in the first four rounds. Out of those 21 selections, three of those players are starters, one is on injured reserve, and 17 are no longer with the team. Five years of draft picks, 21 picks, and three of those you were able to hit on three out of 21 picks with 17 of those picks. The core picks that you're supposed to build your team with, 17 of them in those five years are no longer on the team. Think about that. What kind of core is that? It's no core. So when McKenzie was shown the door, there's basically an empty cupboard here. A couple players and an empty cupboard. Almost rebuilding from scratch. People got to think about that. So all I'm saying is they need a year or two to build that core. And I, and I guarantee you, in two or three more years, this team is going to have a lot of talent. So let's calm down on all the talk that we should have smashed the Chiefs to thousand little itty-bitty pieces. That's just... You know, not in any type of reality. 
This team is realistically a year away from seriously contending for the playoffs. In a tough division, the Chiefs, Chargers, and Broncos. Uh, Chiefs look like they're going to be around for a while and a pain in the ass to get around. But the Chargers, I believe their window is very small. You got this year and maybe next. In fact, the Chargers lost yesterday to the Detroit Lions, which is another bit of good news for the Raiders as they fall into a tie for second place. Hey, I'll hold on to hope as long as I can before reality sets in. Know what I mean? Know what I'm saying? So Chargers lose to the Lions 13-10, to and is this the beginning of the downfall of the Chargers? Not really. This team is ravaged by injuries, and this is the NFL. You will need your best every week. You can kind of game plan around it for a little while, but you will need your best, and the Chargers are beaten up pretty badly. You know, the results showed in the loss in Detroit. But I don't think it's a sign of, you know, the Chargers going back down to mediocrity just yet. And the Broncos, as far as they go, uh, I watched that game to the end there. In that game, as a Raider fan, you've got the Bears and Broncos. Who do you want to lose? On one hand, if we, if the Broncos lose, you know, we'll stay ahead of them in our division. On the other hand, if they're able, to, if the Bears lose, then that raises our chances for getting a higher pick. Which one? Which one are we going with? It's not a tough decision. I'll take the high draft pick any day. And. Broncos snatched defeat from the jaws of victory after almost pulling out a miraculous victory with that two-point conversion they go ahead and allow the field goal after they couldn't stop him on fourth and 15 and the Bears take the win either way it's still good for Raider Nation Broncos did lose they're now 0-2 but in the long run that high draft pick you know, every little position on that that draft board counts. You know, a loss here or there will get you to, you know, from the 14th to the 13th or 12th position, something like that. And I need every loss I can get from those Bears. I don't need them getting any confidence thinking they got a shot at anything because they might be the only ones that don't realize that you're not going to be that good as you were last year. You might not even make the playoffs. But they managed to squeak out a victory with a kicker that we traded to the Bears for a seventh-round pick. He made two long field goals, including the game winner. So, in actuality, guys, we helped the Bears with their draft position and their record, helping them get a victory by trading them a kicker that kicked the game-winning field goal. And, uh, yeah, that's how that went down. You know, you could have lost, you would have lost. But, oh, you need a kicker? Here, we'll give you the kicker that'll help you win. Just... Wow. A lot of frustrating nonsense to deal with as a Raider fan. And looking at other quarterbacks around the league, you take a look at Sunday night, and you had the Falcons and, and Eagles, and Matt Ryan, and... Carson Wentz, and I'm always comparing Derek Carr to the other quarterbacks in this league. You have to, to see where he stands compared to those guys. 
Carson Wentz had just as bad a game as Derek Carr. Just as bad. But in the end, Carson Wentz, the Eagles, had a chance to win that game Sunday night. With as bad as Carson Wentz was playing. And why is that? The Eagles are a Super Bowl contending team. They have all the talent on the roster. They have a championship level defense. That's why that is. That's where the difference is. As Carson Wentz had a tough game, a hard time out there, screwing up, his defense was able to keep him in the contest, keep them close. And it afforded Wentz the opportunities to screw up till he was able to get it together and at least get a last drive in there where they took the lead. Um, that's, not an, that's not a luxury that Derek Carr has right now. Both quarterbacks throwing for around 60%. Both quarterbacks, two interceptions, one touchdown. One team has a chance to win the, the game on a last-second drive. The other team never really in it after the second quarter and loses by 18 points. And that's pretty much my observations on the week, week two in the NFL with our Raiders. And I want to explain a little bit about that. Uh, New Era is, mean, has nothing to do with the hat brand or clothing company it, it's because it's a new era in Raider Nation when passing Val Davis and the way he did things when he passed it was a new era the Al Davis era lasted up until 2011 from its inception in the 60s to 2011 or 50s to 2011 that was the Raiders that Al Davis built but it, honestly, things have to modernize. The way Al did things in the past that were so successful, um, they haven't been successful for 15 years, his 20 years, his style of running things. A change needed to be made. And unfortunately, Al Davis was literally, you know, you're going to have to pry that power from his dead hands. And when Al Davis passed, that was, on, that was when real change could be made. And that's when the modernizing of the front office and the organization as a whole happened. And that's where the new era comes from, good or bad. We are in a new era, and John Grooms and, and Mark Davis are, and Mike Mayock are leading it now into a new stadium in Las Vegas. So that's where the whole new era thing comes from. Hope it doesn't confuse anybody. Um, what do you think of the name? What do you think of the explanation? Let me know. You know, we might, we're kind of looking into maybe changing it, but I wanted to make the point with the new era, new era and Raider Nation. So that's pretty much all I got for today. And um, I have a review coming up for next week's games, mainly the Raider game, and anything else that comes up in discussion that I might want to talk about. But any comments uh, are appreciated. Emailed. Uh, the email address is there. More contact info will be updated. But that's what I got for now. I appreciate you guys listening, as always. Really appreciate it. The time you take out of your day um, to listen. Comment. Let me know how it's going. All right? And, of course, keep it silver and black, baby. There's only one nation. Let's go. I'll see you next week.